0: At this time all the elementary students and middle school students are dismissed it's kind of hard to follow that so i'm going to i'm going to jump and probably fail and fall but i'll give it a shot man it has been over 3 months yeah over 3 months since i have stood up here to give any type of sermon. So if you're new here, you might not know who I am. I'm Justin Amos. I'm the associate pastor here at Wellspring. I've been gone um, for four weeks, the entire month of August, while on part of my sabbatical leave. And while I was away from ministry to rest and refresh, I did all the normal things any good pastor would do. I traveled, I read, I spent time with my family, and I attended Chief's training camp. It's what every godly man does. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you. But on a serious note, I was asked to share today some things that I learned. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tie it all back to scripture because that's where it all stems from. So we're going to dive in. Go ahead and open your Bibles with me to Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5. I believe it's page um, 802. 802 if you're using a Pew Bible. Psalm 39, starting in verse 4, it says, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth the span of my years is as nothing before you everyone is but a breath even those who seem secure now before i want to before i make any comment on this text i want to hear from you guys so when you read this text when you hear that what emotions and thoughts come to mind what kind of rises up within you when you hear these two verses from king david where does your mind go What rises to the surface in your heart? Just hear from a few people, because this is like pretty intense, right? Floors open. Yes, read. Okay, mind of his own frailty, yes. Excellent, what else? Maybe what images come to mind? That's another way to look at it. Yes, bro. The new interesting comment that comes to mind for me is like this really, really long timeline Okay. how so tiny my portion is. Okay. It almost gives me like a sense of relief that I don't have to have some pinnacle to my life that's like me pushing and pushing for myself because just this portion of what God's doing and I don't have to like I don't be something that I'm not. Yeah. In some ways, it's kind of saying it takes the stress or anxiety out of doing something great with his life when you look at the grand scope of eternity and how we're just a little sliver of it. Yeah, that's good. Anyone else? Matt. About on, like on a cold day, when you breathe out and you see the vapors of your mind, how, how long can you follow the, how, how long can you follow seeing yeah oh that's an artistic mind there I love it. So he's talking about on a cold winter day when you can see your own breath kind of the vapor just how long do you see it not very long right oh that's good so if, if these words in some ways kind of seem a little dark and gloomy it's because they are David uh, King David was struggling when he wrote Psalm 39, and the, uh, the old famous Bible commentator I'm sure some of you have heard of, Matthew Henry, he said, this is a funeral psalm, and it's proper for the occasion. In singing it, we should get our hearts duly affected with the brevity, uncertainty, and calamitous state of human life. David asked God to make him aware of how fleeting life was, of how fleeting in particular his life was. He said, show me That mankind is but a breath. And James echoes a similar sentiment in chapter 4 of his book in the New Testament. He said, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go do this or that, uh, go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes Each of our lives is a mist that appears, kind of like Rob was saying, for this short time and then vanishes. And maybe you're thinking, dang, bro, you were gone for four weeks and this is the best you got? Wah, wah, right? I promise you, hang with me, okay? We're going somewhere good here. We're going somewhere good. Hands down, the biggest takeaway on my sabbatical was coming to fully grasp how small, powerless and limited I am, and we are. And numerous experiences and teachings establish this truth in my heart. One of, um, um, a title of a book that I read while I was gone kind of summed it up well uh, by Kyle Strobel. He said that we are all beloved dust. Anybody read that book? Wow, not one person. Beloved dust. If you recall the story of creation in Genesis 2, it says that God formed man from the dust of the ground, right? And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man, Adam, became a living being. I am literally dust. The skin that you're looking at, this physical body that you see, is dust. I'm dust, and you are dust. We came from dust, and when we breathe our last, we will return to dust. And I had an experience. This summer that really hammered home how small and powerless I am as stupid as this story is um, my son Noah is one and the room to his bedroom door became really swollen because of the humidity anybody have some humidity swollen doors this year yeah not fun so we almost I mean you had to just wham it just to get it to even shut it was just ridiculous I'd had enough so I took a utility knife and I was kind of trimming the edge just, you know, just little pieces to get it off so that it would shut smoothly, and on one of the swipes with the razor blade, it came down and hit me in my finger on my thumb and cut me deep, Um, and I knew it was not good. It started to bleed bad, and of course, I was an idiot, and I was doing this while I was on kid duty by myself with a four, two, and one-year-old while my wife, who's a nurse, was out running errands, So really good timing for this accident to happen. She was a long ways away running errands on the other side of town. And I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? You know, my kids are screaming, it's just chaos. Um, So I'm trying, I know nothing about the physical body or being a nurse or anything. So I'm trying to wrap this up with a huge paper towel. I'm literally stood over my sink for probably an hour, just waiting for it to stop bleeding, called my doctor. They said, you probably need to go to urgent care. I didn't go to urgent care. Um, (laughs) Long story short, it was fine. I got a hold of a dermatologist through a friend, and he kind of told me to put wood glue on it. So there you go, wood glue. That was interesting. Um, So I fixed it. It it cured. But I realized that it could have been really bad. And here's why. If that razor would have hit six inches down at a slightly different angle, I would have hit my radial artery. Anybody knows what that is, you don't want to cut that. Some of you nurses are laughing. So I read, if you sever your radial artery, you can bleed out and die within two minutes. So it hit me, I'm like, dude, like, Sarah was gone. If that was six inches in a, away, like, that could have been bad. And it just hit me that we are all just a second away from being powerless. Completely powerless. Powerless. That annoying incident that was totally my fault reminded me of how fragile I am, of how I truly am a human, and that I am dust. We're all seconds away from being handicapped, physically, mentally. In the blink of an eye, we can lose all our sense, kind of perceived sense of control over our lives. And so not only did this reality of how small and fragile I am sink in, but at the same time, while I was away, this is the good stuff. I found myself being overwhelmed by God's fierce love for me and for us, his people. And one of the key ways that God revealed his heart was during an experience I had in Glacier National Park in Montana a few weeks ago. Anybody been to Glacier? One, two, three, four, okay, go. I've heard it said as I was studying for the trip, it said, if you don't believe in God, go to Glacier for a week and then come back and talk to me. And It's true. So if you have atheist friends, help pay for their trip, send them there for a week, and they'll come back being in love with Jesus, I promise. You cannot, you cannot deny God's existence there. It is absolutely incredible. So I went to Glacier with my friend Kenny Atkins, who is singing today, and our first hike we did was called the Trail of the Cedars, and it straight up looked like something in Narnia. Like you were like walking in, the Lord, was like, yes, <laughs> thank you. I mean, it's like you were in Narnia, or like in a Lord of the Rings scene, man, just this dense forest with rays of light shining through. It was just beautiful. So after about an hour, hour and a half of hiking, we arrived at our destination called Avalanche Lake, and I think we have a photo of it. Just crystal clear water, completely surrounded by mountains with waterfalls gushing into the lake. Easily one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. It's a place you... Never want to leave. Somebody posted, I put it on Facebook. Man, that'd be a cool backyard. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'd be sick. I'd, I'd never leave my house. I'd get fired. Jeez. And so as I was, you know, as, as I was sitting there just being surrounded by the beauty, you're just overwhelmed with God. And kind of that one of those big rocks out there, I, you know, I walked out and the water's freezing and I just, I just sat down on there. Um, For probably 30 minutes or so, 20, 30 minutes, I don't know. And as I was just looking around at the beauty, my mind went back to the story of creation in Genesis chapter one. And some of you probably already know where I'm going with this. You've heard it 50 times, probably. But many times in that chapter, God creates the heavens and He says it's good, right? He creates the earth, the stars, He separates the land and the sea. And he calls it good. He creates mountains and valleys and animals and trees and plantation and calls it good. Then he creates mankind, the pinnacle of his creation, and he calls it very good. And it was just one of those moments. It it just all came out of head for me. Like, he calls me very good. More than this. Beyond this incredible thing that I'm looking at. We are his true beauty in creation. Think of the most glorious thing you've ever seen in your life, and we surpass that in his eyes. And it was one of those moments I was kind of thinking like where King David said, when I consider your heavens the work of your hand, who am I? What is man that you even think about man, that you even consider him, the God that created the galaxies and the stars? Why do you give us the time of day? So I'm looking at these mountains and the lake that God created, and it hit me that none of these are the crown jewel of his creation. I am. We are his prized possession, the apple of his eye, his true desire. He calls us very good. Isn't that amazing? He calls us very good. And being at that lake, Avalanche Lake, reminded me not only of how small I am, you know, insignificant I am when I just was staring at something that marvelous, but far beyond that, I was reminded once again, and God spoke to my heart that you are dust, but you are beloved dust. You are beloved dust. He takes greater pride and joy in me and in you than He does the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen or experienced. He cares more about my heart and your heart than he does the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. Do you get that? He loves us, me, so much dust that he sent his son to become dust. To be humiliated. To be with us. That's how loved we are. And if that is not humbling, I'm not sure what is. And that type of humility can only lead to gratitude. It is the only proper response. How can I not be filled with gratitude? How can I not be filled with joy when I am his prized possession? Greater and far beyond the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in my life. And guys, the truth is that anytime we encounter God's presence we are reminded of who we are, okay? Whether it's through nature, coffee with another believer, time spent in God's word, in prayer. When we encounter God, we are reminded of who we are. So we're going to look at a few examples from Scripture that show the impact God's presence had on people. When the prophet Isaiah encountered God, he said, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. When the disciple Peter encountered Christ, scripture says he fell at Jesus's knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. When Job encountered the Lord, he said, I know that you can do all things. My ears had heard of you But now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. In his presence, we become aware of how sinful we are and how insignificant we are. And at the same time, in his presence, there is fullness of joy because we are his joy, guys, In the presence of God, we were both humbled and lifted up at the same time. We are reminded that we are dust, but not any old dust. We are beloved dust. And guys, this isn't just my story of some cool things I learned or experienced in the month of August. This is your story. This is our story. There's there's a broad application to take place here. So I'm going to kind of throw out some questions to you guys. Feel free to write these down if you want or um, jot them down in your phone. What rhythms are in place in your life that remind you that you, you are dust? Maybe put it another way. What practices are a part of your life that remind you that you are not God and that you are not in control? So practically, this could take many shapes. It could be you, we say this a lot here, giving permission to a handful of people to speak into your life. You say, hey, I want you guys to call out my blind spots when I don't see them, okay? Those gentle rebukes and loving nudges humble you. They humble us before God and before others. Maybe it could be intentionally praying in a physical posture that humbles you, such as on your knees, that's humbling. Maybe it's praying with your hands lifted in the air as a physical act of surrender. That he's God, you're not. He's in control, you certainly are not. Maybe you're here today and you understand that you're dust. Like, you get that. Man, I, I, I get that I'm insignificant and small. Perhaps to an unhealthy degree. <laughs> the counselor's shaking her. <laughs> yep, yep. Perhaps you need to grasp how you are Beloved dust. What narrative runs through your head most days? If it's one that tells you you're not enough, then it's probably time to address that. It's probably time to take some steps and address that narrative that is crippling you. Maybe that's meeting with a trusted friend, getting professional counseling, joining the Mind of Christ support group that you guys heard about a little bit ago. The stories we tell ourselves run deep And it takes time and intentionality to rewire our brains to grasp who we truly are, beloved. So consider what are some rhythms you could put in place in your life to remind you that you're his beloved. Maybe for some of you, it's reaching out to someone a little farther along in the game that you could meet with to help reshape the way that you view God views you because it's distorted, it's twisted. Maybe it's joining a small group and you being vulnerable enough to allow God to love you through other people, and that's terrifying for some of us. There's lots of ways to kind of apply these truths, so hopefully a few of those got the wheels turning a little bit about some possibilities. And as I kind of wrap things up here in a minute, it would be a shame, I'm just going to get personal, um, to not give a shout out to the person who deserves the most credit in my life, and that's my wife, Sarah. Um, She took one for the team, our family and this church, um, watching a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a one-year-old for a week so I could go to Montana and get away. And so thank you so much. Um, my mother-in-law came up and helped her too, so she deserves some credit as well. Um, love you. And so I want to thank her, and then I just kind of want to end with, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank this church for valuing me enough as one of your pastors to grant me a sabbatical, okay? To grant me time away from work while also still providing for my family financially so that I can do that there are pastors that work for decades at churches and never get a sabbatical decades 30 40 years this is my second that does not happen that much guys this is rare so be thankful you're a part of a church that values its staff enough for them to take care of themselves and their families um, being gone for 4 weeks man we missed you guys i was like we're ready to get back my i was telling gabby um Gabby Duvall, like, how much my daughter Maya loves her. (laughs) And there's, like, three or four girls here that, you know, they'll just come up to me. We're at home, and she will just be like, I like Gabby. (laughs) And my four-year-old will go, I like Allison, Allison Goss, and I like Casey. And it's just like, they just, you guys are our family, and we just love you all so much. So it is an honor and a privilege to be one of your pastors. So thank you, guys. I love you. Okay. So we're going to end now with a time of communion. So we're going to prepare our concept, this idea that you're going to give you guys some silence to set in this concept, this idea that you're beloved dust, that you're loved so much that God himself became dust to come here and be humiliated and pay the price that you should have paid, that we should have paid. So I want you to set in that, set in that for a while. That's how loved you are. And just let that fill you with gratitude for the Father's heart towards you. So I'm gonna pray for us and we'll have a minute or two of silence and the ushers will come dismiss you by row. You can come forward. um, Just take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice. And we also have um, gluten-free options as well if you need that. So let's pray together. Jesus, you are so good. We thank you so much. For the honor and just the privilege to gather together as a body. And so many believers don't get to experience this for fear of their life. And so we don't take that lightly, God. Lord, I pray that you would remind us that we are dust. We are not in control. We are so fragile and powerless apart from you, Lord. So I pray that that truth would set in. But also, God, the truth of how beloved we are. And that we are the apple of your eye. We are the crown jewel of your creation. God, we do not deserve that. We do not deserve to be treated that way. As the men and women who hung you on that cross, God, we do not deserve to be loved like that. And so we receive that love, God, with humility and complete gratitude. God, we accept that gift. It is an honor to give our lives to serving you. I pray that you would just be with us and just hear our prayers during this time.